Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm feeling strange. I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling empty. 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 Did I ever tell you the story about a student who kept texting me and I was trying to give him really good pastoral care, but he would text me day after day after day and I got tired of it. And at one point I just couldn't take it anymore. And I texted something to him. It was just two words. And actually it was, it was a word and then a contraction um, or, or a contraction and then a word. And, and it was, it was too, too empty. It was empty too. Tombs empty. Yeah, I know we've, we've talked about that. Okay. Today we're talking about no to compromise and yes to Easter. Now you might think that my brain is empty. Why would we go back to Gethsemane? That's our text for this morning. It's not even, it's not even the resurrection. What's going on? Well, I'm going to even take you further back to when Jesus is baptized and then tempted because there's an important connection between that and Easter. Very, very important. Now let's talk about baptism because it really was an evolution of what baptism was. Look at this uh, PowerPoint here and we can help you with that. Baptism goes back to the time of Moses when he was taking the Israelites wandering all through the desert. And there were what they called foreigners who joined with them. And after some time, a lot of these foreigners were wanting to become Jews. They were Gentiles, but they wanted to become Jews. And so the Jews, in a sense, invented this thing called proselyte baptism. And it was a baptism that was a way of formalizing these Gentiles to become Jews. And usually when they found a body of water somewhere, which was sometimes hard to find out in the desert, they would have that Gentile 
dip himself or herself into the water, sometimes once or maybe three times. And they went from being a Gentile to a Jew. Now, centuries later, John the baptizer gave a new meaning to it. He would wade into the Jordan River. And he gave it a new meaning to get ready for the Messiah. He knew that Jesus was on the way. And it really was a repentance baptism. It was a way that he could help people get ready for Jesus the Christ as he came on the scene. And, well, let me set aside just a minute Jesus' baptism. Let me go further to Christian baptism that many of us have experienced. And, and it just has to do with following Jesus. And there's some wonderful symbolisms of, of being washed of our sins and dying to self as we're dipped down into the water, dying to self, being brought back up, rising to new life. But what about Jesus's baptism? What did that mean? Because Jesus didn't need repentance baptism. He didn't need our baptism either. What was it about? I would say that it's a baptism of commission because Jesus was commissioning himself to being on his way to the three-year ministry that he had. Let me read from John, uh, rather Matthew, chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. It says this, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. And what is God the Father requiring of his Son? So John agreed to baptize him. And so he begins his ministry. And the first thing he does is what? He goes into the desert to be tempted. He goes into the desert and, and the devil, devil comes along and, and does just that. Now, why now? Why right after he has been commissioned, baptized, to begin his ministry, and now he's being tempted. Well, let's think about that. If you were Jesus, and you're not, but if you were, and you just got commissioned for your three-year ministry, what would be your biggest temptation? What would be your Achilles heel? Well, let me read about the temptation of Jesus. I've heard preachers talk about, well, what it's all talking about is, you know, that Jesus was human, and so he was tempted. Well, that's part of it. I've heard a lot of preachers say, well, you know, Jesus kept using Scripture, quote, quoting Scripture from the Old Testament, and he used that against Satan, and that, you know, got, got him through. So it's all about, you know, the, the power of the Word of God. Well, that, that's true, too, but there's something more, more important here. So let me just begin reading about the temptation of Jesus, beginning at chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. 
For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, and he became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, take these stones and make them become loaves of bread. Now, um, this is, you know, that's typical of the devil. This is just throwing a softball, okay? Or in this sense, a, a stone to become bread. Now, that's, that's the way the devil starts with us. You know, something that seems rather innocent, uh, very basic, uh, can't really hurt us, could it? It couldn't become something that becomes addictive or something like that. Couldn't be that. No, he tries that, but that doesn't work. It says, but Jesus told him, no, Scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, the devil tries again. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Now, what's going on here? Well, he's taking it to another level. Uh, what, what kind of... What kind of Messiah was everybody wanting? You know this. They, they, didn't, they, they were wanting a warrior Messiah, a political Messiah, a military one who would overthrow the Roman Empire. And they think this is the guy. And if he could just jump off that high point of the temple and not get hurt and people would see that, people would think this is the guy. This is the guy that can help us overtake the empire. Okay, and what the Satan is doing is is telling him, look, you could do this and you could be the Messiah that they want you to be and they will love you. They will exalt you. It'll be just great and you won't have to. Well, we'll get to that. But Jesus responds, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. All you got to do is worship me. And Jesus says, what? Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. God the Father. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Now, what's going on here? What is the primary meaning of the temptations? If you were Jesus, and you had just commissioned yourself for your three-year ministry, and you knew where it was going to take you, that you were going to wind up in Jerusalem and you knew what was going to happen to you, what would be your Achilles heel? What would be your biggest temptation to avoid the pain, the torture, the ridicule, the injustice, and the death? on the cross, your 
biggest temptation, your primary temptation is to avoid all of that, to circumvent it and not have to go through that. And you could just play into it. Satan is saying, hey, you could just play into it and, and be the kind of Messiah they want you to be. You can be the warrior. You can be the politician. You can be the general. And they'll love you for it. And that could have been that way. He could have chosen that way. But he said no to compromise. And he said yes to Easter. But as Jesus gets closer, when he gets to Gethsemane, he's tempted again. I call this the, the bookend to the temptation that was earlier in the desert. Now he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he can actually see where the officials and the soldiers are coming with their torches and their lanterns. He can see them and, and it would take them about 20 to 30 minutes to get over to where he is. They are in the Kidron Valley and they can get over there. 20, 30 minutes. Jesus could turn and go south into En Gedi and hide in one of the many, many caves there. And he could get there in 10 minutes. He sees them coming. And he's tempted again. And you know what he says. Father, Abba, can I take this cup and put it away? And then he says, no, not my will, but yours. He remains obedient to his father. That's what he told John the Baptist in the Jordan River. No, we need to do this so that I will follow what my father is wanting me to do for everyone. And so he goes through it. The arrest, the torture, the flogging, the weight of the cross, the spikes in his wrists and feet being placed on the cross and dying of the asphyxiation and the exposure. And he did that for us. But then there's this Sunday epilogue. And that brings us to today. I want to read from Mark. I like how Mark just kind of gets to the bottom line here. The resurrection, Mark 16. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus's body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, 
they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that's what it says, including Peter, who had done what? Three times, yes, denied him. And isn't it interesting? You know, he was the mentor of Mark. Uh, the earliest the earliest manuscripts of Mark were not called the book of Mark. It was the memoirs of Peter. Peter was the source, really, for the book of Mark, which is the earliest of the Gospels. Peter would be a really good source for a gospel, wouldn't he? So, tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Good news. Now, he did that for us. He said no to compromise and yes to Easter. And I want to close with one more reading from Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Beautiful passage. It was probably a hymn that was sung, and Paul used it because he obviously loved it. And I especially want us to focus on verse 6. We'll stop there early. It says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. He was divine. He was God's son. He was God. He was part of the triune God. But he did not exploit his divinity, did not exploit it. He could have, and he could have just, you know, avoided all the pain, avoided death. He could have exploited it, but he did not. And this is where we go. Rather, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to the Father, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God the Father also highly exalted him for his obedience and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Tomb's empty. He is risen. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God.